Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If cow manure is good for growing grass, then you'd think this show would be good for growing an Amazon rainforest in a desert. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast in. I am your host, Brian Levine, on uh, Tuesday, July 10th. And that's important because I'll tell you in just a minute. Uh, On tonight's show, my co-host is Shane Ireland. We catch up with Shane from his uh, two travels, and then we talk about... uh, the, the specific sizes of our pipes, dimensions that we all look for, or so on and so on. So there's a lot of pipe geeky, uh, super nerdy stuff in there that I'm sure a lot of you will enjoy. And others will think, well, that was boring. Uh, but anyway, good information. And then we've got uh, music, mailbag, and a rant. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, let me complain. <laughs> let me let me tell you about two things right up front. And um, I'm glad I'm I'm glad that, that I'm not going to the IPCPR this year because this is my the first time I won't be there in about uh, 19, 20 years. Uh, I will kind of miss it. I'll kind of I'll miss seeing some of the people and hanging out and uh, doing some of that stuff. And you know, after so many years of going, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch my Facebook feed and see all the pictures and everything. Uh, but I'm also glad that I'm not going because right now I am in the middle of a battle with some poison ivy that I caught in our backyard. And I am on uh, probably uh, day nine of the breakout. So I'm hoping I keep my fingers crossed and, and that stops me from itching. Uh, but I'm hoping that I will be on the uh, downswing of this here shortly because everything that I've seen said a maximum of two weeks is how long it takes. Um, it's just annoying. I mean, it, it's literally annoying. I can't sit still. I can't really relax too much. Uh, you know, just doing all the home remedies and all the ointments and everything. So hey, uh, a word to y'all, if you see three pointed plants out there, just don't touch them. Stay away from them. They're evil. And mother nature is trying to kill me slowly. Uh, and for that reason, I'm glad I'm not going to the IPCPR because I'd have to be wearing dress clothes and dealing with heat and sweat and everything, and that would just make it worse. So anyway, I'm uh, sitting at home in the air conditioning and uh, smoking my pipes. That's my uh, my IPCPR for you. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining the me to make it a we is uh, Shane Ireland, who um, uh, I guess smoking pipes now has the office in Ireland. Have you ever been to Ireland? I have. I have. It's very confusing for them. <laughs> Do you walk around Ireland looking for a Shane America? 
<laughs> no, I will say that uh, I do have an alter ego, though, Shannon Wales. That's my evil twin. Um, but uh, no, I will say that the first time that I went to visit Peterson, when I showed up, uh, they thought I was like the delivery guy. They, they knew to expect a Shane Ireland. And then when I knocked on the door, they were like, can we help you? Um, and of course, I've had to explain that it's uh, it has nothing to do with my uh, heritage. It's just a name. So <laughs> it's my stage name. I was an mm-hmm. answer. Um, all right, we'll start off with the uh, with the usual. What are you smoking, and what is it in? I am smoking some uh, 2005 Solani 633 Virginia Perique Flake, um, which is one of the Virginias that I have the most of in my cellar. Uh, I think it ages really, really well. It's great out of the gate, but it ages like it's. It's one of those blends that's magical after five to ten years, yeah. and I'm smoking it in a J. Allen sandblasted lumbermen that uh if it wasn't for being a group two group three it, it would be a brian pipe hmm. um but uh that is the newest addition in my collection as well yeah we're gonna talk about your pipe size in a minute or in a, in a few minutes after we get through all the travel stuff but uh yeah so i i've got size issues today myself and <laughs> and and it seems like the last time we were recording i was smoking two different pipes at the same time because i was taste testing a blend yes uh, well, I did it again today, except now I'm smoking the second pipe by itself. Uh, because initially, so I'm getting ready somewhere down the road to do a review of Dunhill Elizabethan mixture. Cause uh-huh. I'm, you know, sure. I've got a ton of tobacco, but you know what? I need another Virginia Perique. Um, mm-hmm. like I need a hole in my head, but I need another one. So I've had this tin sitting here as a requested, uh, as a requested review, and I decided to open it up today. And the the initial smell of it gave me the indication that it needed to be that it was a, a, a Virginia Perique and maybe a small pipe would work. Sure. So back in my days of uh, working in Myrtle Beach, uh, we got a batch of Yuki Tokotomi pipes. Mm-hmm. And it was right at the beginning of Yuki making pipes. I mean, it was literally the, you know, I, we kind of looked at each other and said, that looks an awful lot like a whole bunch of Toku and a little bit of Yuki. Yeah, sure, sure. And there was a couple that had some issues with them and stuff. So we sent them back to Toku and he said he couldn't fix them. So he left them as naturals, sent them back to us and gifted them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one that I got was a very small bent apple. It's like a group three size bowl and it just smokes like a dream. And I'd kind of forgotten about the pipe for a year or two. And I pulled it out about a week or so ago and have been smoking it every day in the morning with my McCraney's red ribbon. Ah, okay. So here's what I thought when I sniffed the Dunhill Elizabethan mixture, and this is part review time. Um, I thought, you know what, that'll probably work really well in a small pipe. It should be really good. Boy, was I wrong. I was just going to say, it's funny that you say that because I was going to make the observation that uh, Elizabethan is a blend that I really love, and it's one of the blends that I reserve for my larger pipes. Yeah, well, I figured it out about halfway through the bowl. I was getting this um, uncomfortable, painful feeling. (laughs) And so right here on my pipe rack is sitting a Ashton Bill Taylor made, uh, you know, pebble grain. It's just a straight group five apple. 
and it's got a you know it's got like a like a four fifths diameter tobacco chamber and it holds a bunch and sure enough loaded that pipe up and the the size of that bowl allowed this to just work out so i've technically i'm technically not smoking two pipes at once but i have the second of the pipe going right now and oh, okay it, and it's an old ashton bill taylor <clears throat> uh, not bad no, and and it was made in the morning, so it's drilled straight. <laughs> yeah, it was made in the morning and uh, probably on a Monday. Uh, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Sure, definitely not Thursday, Friday. No, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> no. Later on, there were no Friday pipes. They were made on Thursday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So anyway, that'll be a that's a future review because this is literally like one and a half bowls through on Elizabethan mixture. And, you know, wouldn't it be my it'd be my luck that I find one that I like that's going to go away potentially sometime soon, too. Sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Or also. Well, there's still plenty of stock at smokingpipes.com uh, if you want me to get an order together for you. No, never mind. Don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Check the daily sales. You'll be good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it's a small order. Uh, plus, I've got some other stuff that needs to be reviewed. So coming up on uh, on a couple of review shows. Sounds good. Yeah. I do I do want to touch on Elizabethan when we get back into the pipe uh, dimensions thing because it's actually a really good uh, example of, of a personal experience that I've had, you know, weighing out, you know, which which uh, sort of bowl shapes and sizes uh, that I prefer myself. All right, we'll do that. So let's let's do this first. First, we'll take a break. Then we'll come back and talk about your uh, your travels, where you went and where you're going next. And then at the end, we'll save that for the dimension. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell and Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Shane's getting ready to leave again, but last time, Shane, when you were on... Uh, seems you, seems like I'm almost getting ready to leave every single time we speak. Yeah, it seems like you need, you need to get away from me after talking for an hour. <laughs> um, I don't blame you. Uh, so briefly, tell us you were you were going to Italy and visiting pipe makers. I'm assuming, or because you needed fresh olive oil. <laughs> well, both. You know, I certainly did smuggle back plenty of uh, illegal meats and cheeses. Um, I mean, I'd never do that. Uh, so 
uh, once a year in the spring, I, I do my full trip in Italy, which is uh, basically the whole country. So I visit everybody around Milan, around Cucciago and Cantu, uh, in Bologna, down the Tuscany region, and all the way down to Rome. Uh, so that's that's what I was doing there this time, and I was there for uh, a little over two weeks. Good Lord. Uh, yes. Uh, were you by yourself, or did you have somebody with you, or did you end up by, did you go by yourself and end up with somebody with you? Um, usually on this trip, the first couple days, Sykes and I do it together because we're visiting Savinelli um, and uh, Costello and Radice and all of those pipe makers that are sort of grouped around at the same, you know, in the same areas in the north, uh, the northwest, basically. Um, and then uh, he was there for like three, four days. And then I dropped him off at the airport before I started driving to Bologna and Tuscany and Rome. And down the boot you went all the way to the toe. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then I flew home out of Rome, uh, spent a couple days there, which is always fun. Um, and, you know, the whole time that I was there, the weather was beautiful. It was fantastic. Uh, and then when I got to Rome, it was like storming and raining all crazy, which is interesting. Uh, so I was not prepared for that. But uh, I still, you know, luckily the shops, the shops there that I'm visiting and the pipe makers there that I'm visiting, they're all within about a two or three minute walk of each other. Real close to the Trevi Fountain. And they're all indoors. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, if uh, if somebody's uh, you know say like uh, you know, traveling to Italy for vacation, are there any of these uh, any of these big pipe factories or smaller shops that have you know that are open to visitors stopping by? Uh, yeah, I mean, particularly in Rome, um, Rome, uh, you can see uh, the Novelli shop, uh, which has been there since the 50s. They're a pen and pipe shop, so really high-end fountain pens and an extremely good selection of Dunhills and Costellos and Estates and a lot of Danish pipes, too. Uh, that's a shop worth visiting, uh, and I'll, right around the corner from them is uh, the Becker and Musico shop, uh, which is now where uh, uh, Massimo Musico makes the foundation by Musico pipes. Um, so he has the shop with a bunch of pipes on display and a lounge and you can sit there and smoke and hang out and then in the back of the shop is his workshop so when he doesn't have visitors he's working on pipes and when he does have visitors he just kind of runs out to the front of the shop and helps him out and you know it, it's it's so cool <laughs> uh, it's a destination for a lot of people in fact when i was there this last time there must have been at least five or six different people uh a couple of americans a couple of french a couple of other europeans that came specifically uh, uh, to find him, you know, not on his lunch break uh, and yeah. to buy a pipe, uh, because for so many years up until we started carrying them, uh, in the shop was the only place you could get them. Wow. Yeah. So what about like Savinelli or Radice or Costello? Can I just swing by and knock on the door? Um, and I would say no, <laughs> swing by and knock on the door. Uh, but if you did want to visit, particularly Savinelli, uh, it can be arranged. Absolutely. Uh, if you reach out to them, I'm sure you can get a factory tour and, uh, take a look at some stuff that they have. They also have their own shop in Milan. Uh, the Savinelli, the shop, uh, the Savinelli shop is also beautiful, beautiful. So if you're anywhere in the Milan region, like in the, in the actual city, uh, definitely go visit that shop too. Yeah, and then you can also just kind of Google search uh, pipe maker in Italy, and you'll find a whole bunch of things that you may run into. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, any highlights from the trip? Any uh, any fun stories? Any uh, getting pulled over by the Italian police? Um, no, I was well-behaved this time, so no police. Um, I will say that... Uh, 
aside from really just getting a great selection from everybody, really good musical pipes come into smoking pipes uh, in the next couple days. Um, uh, our Costello order from the the handpicked selection that we picked at the factory just arrived. Mm. There's some great pieces there, including a couple more of the uh, really popular and more new uh, uh, boxed sets. We're doing like these like three and seven day sets that are in uh, uh, these really nice leather boxes that are made in Milan uh, or the Milan area. Um, uh, really good stuff from Claudio Cavicchi, really good stuff from Gabriele and Davide Iofisco, uh, the selection of Radice's. Uh, some of them, some of the the pipes that we handpicked there and that we specially requested from them have already hit the website and already come and gone. Uh, we had a couple more Gord Calabashes from the Radice's, uh, some Morta stuff, uh, a lot of really nice sandblasts, really nice silk cuts. Um, but I think... Uh, overall, I'm really excited to start showing off uh, some of the Costellos that we picked. There's incredible stuff coming from uh, from Cantu. You, you know, before we started this, I have a I have a big uh, a, a one quart bottle of uh, of Pellegrino that I've been working on all day, sitting here on my desk. And the minute you started talking about Italy, the water tasted better. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, I picked up a new Costello for myself, too, when I was in Rome, visiting one of those lovely tobacco shops. Wham, 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 whatever. So there's there's something special about getting a pipe and uh, smoking it in the factory or the country that it was manufactured in, you know what I mean? Yeah, or you walk into the... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I know when I get back to Italy... Uh, I'll be with my wife, so there won't be too much uh, pipe shop stopping or factory touring. So, <laughs> well, that doesn't seem fair because I'm sure she's going to do plenty of shopping, right? Like, especially if you're in the Milan area, it's fashion fashion district, uh, one of the one of the best in the world. No, I'm the troublemaker on that side of on that part on that part in this family. Uh, I'm the shopper, so <laughs> she's she's not. No, I'm the troublemaker. <laughs> All right, and for the first time since 1997, I am not getting ready to go to the RTDA slash IPCPR this year, and this would normally be the uh, kind of the quiet before the storm for me. Uh, sure, you know, sure. All the stuff would have been shipped off. Everything would be in transit. Everything would be arriving in Vegas. Uh, you know, on, well, I guess on Tuesday or Wednesday and I'd be setting up on Thursday and Friday and then the show would open and, and off it would go and I'm not going, but, um, you are, I know, man, we're going to miss you. It's going to be weird. Yeah. But also for the first time, you know, all right. So what are you, what are you planning? How do you plan? Cause you're there as a buyer. Um, Correct. How do you plan your days? How do you, what are you looking for at the show? What's kind of your, you know, what's kind of your, your, uh, your day. And then of course, I'm sure you had to help out with the, with the Cornell and deal and Savinelli shipping and setup stuff. But you know, what are you, what are you looking forward to? And, and what's kind of like your, your four days of trade show open? Well, my uh, my preparation. I mean, really, I'm I'm fortunate in the sense that I only have to worry about smoking pipes. Um, you know, being the director and one of two purchasing managers that that uh, buy everything for smoking pipes. Um, I am focused primarily on uh, pipe acquisition, as I usually am focused on, uh, and and not just personally, but professionally as well. <laughs> um, 
so basically, uh, uh, it's it's a lot of setting appointments. So I'm pretty well booked up uh, from the time that I arrive to the time that I leave. Like I land uh, about 10:30 in the morning on Thursday, and I'm actually taking the red eye home Sunday night. Uh, part of, <laughs> part of that is because. Uh, I want to miss as few days in the office as possible. My travel schedule is already pretty packed, um, and and uh, there's definitely work to be done at home, so I don't get to have too much fun. Uh, but I am starting to do things like look at sales reports for certain brands, um, you know, check my notes to see if I have particular requests from any of my customer service representatives, uh, something that their customers are looking for that's really specific, uh, and then we just kind of make appointments to meet with everybody. Um, uh, that will be at the show. Uh, and then, you know, basically my goal is to get in there first and, uh, you know, get as many of the best pipes that all of these people have available as I can. Yeah. Now you gotta, uh, I mean, there, there may be some listeners that have never heard this, but, uh, I mean, there, there's a pecking order when it comes to appointments sometimes. And if you're, kind of late on that you you know there there are actual pipes there that you are picking the actual pipe you're gonna buy you're not just walking up and going i'll take four of those bent billiards in that color and three of those and six of those you're some of the brands you're actually picking the physical pipe that you guys are going to get I mean, actually, uh, as far as the show itself goes, uh, that's what I'll do. So if there's a brand, uh, I'll, I'll use Peterson as an example because they're kind of one of the brands that kind of does both. Uh, Savinelli's the same way, but obviously uh, uh, I don't need to worry too much about picking Savinelli's at the show. Um, Peterson's a good example because they have their regular uh, you know, series like Aaron, Donegal Rocky, stuff like that. Um, so I, I'll put together an order to give to my sales rep at the show, um, but I don't need to pick any of those in person. What I will be picking in person is the more high grade stuff. So like, you know, um, uh, Sherlock Holmes gold banded if they have any, or particularly nice spigots in a very, a variety of color. Like they have actual picking stock and they might have, you know, a half dozen, uh, sandblasted spigot O threes. And I'm going to pick the two or three that have the best grain or, you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, and then the rest of the pipes that we're picking there, it's all, you know, uh, one by one by one. So even like Dunhill and Costello, uh, they have standard shapes like a Costello shape 10 in a trademark finish or a Dunhill, uh, 3101 in the Shellbrier finish. <laughs> like I, I still, it's still worth picking out specific pieces in those example. And, uh, uh, as far as those two brands go, um, so everything that I'm doing at the show is picking by hand, uh, and it's another opportunity outside of the factory uh, where I'm able to pick by hand, and we find that, um, I mean, not only are we happier with the selection, but our customers seem to be happier with the selection when we can pick in person rather than from a photo or from a catalog. Oh, yeah, sure, and and then you can see, you know, you, you can see the actual pipe itself, plus... Uh... Do you, sometimes you, you know, you'll, I guess you'll walk into a, you'll walk up to a booth and you'll see something that'll catch your eye that wasn't on your radar either. Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm always looking for new, uh, not just pipes, but particularly accessories, lighters, stuff like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that we buy that sort of stuff from that might have something new that we need to consider. Uh, and then the other half of my time is uh, spent uh, focusing on cigar inventory as well. Because IBCPR, obviously, uh, maybe for those who have never attended or heard of it, uh, a lot of what is there is is a cigar. Yeah, so, you, related. so you've got you've also got the cigar side of the website that you've got to buy for and you got to worry about that. And, and for our shop, too, our physical shop yeah. as well, yeah. And And... Are you oftentimes looking for something new and, you know, 
You know, I try to do so just like I try to look at our sales and, you know, customer requests and stuff like that. And, you know, there's always things that uh, uh, to, to your point about picking in person and having there being a pecking order, you know, something like Dunhill. I have a customer who requested years ago uh, that he wanted a group four tan shell billiard with silver. I've been looking for that pipe for five years. <laughs> so if there is one, which is probably a tall order because there might be two or three tan shells out of hundreds and hundreds of Dunhills that are available at the show. But if there's one of those and I miss it, then who knows how long I could be waiting to find another one, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and as far as cigars, like looking for new stuff or even pipe tobacco looking for new stuff, I mean, we try to have the best selection of pipe tobacco that we possibly can, of course. Uh, and we're always trying to improve our cigar selection as well. So I try to do a little bit of research before then. Um, I, I, I'm a cigar smoker occasionally. Uh, so if I walk into a shop, you know, on vacation or something like that. I try to try something new or something different. Uh, I try to keep up with like reviews and, you know, things that are uh, sort of hot at the moment. And uh, those are the kind of things that I'll be keeping an eye out for at the show to decide if we want to bring on a new brand or just some new facings or whatever. Or you got to check and see what deals are out there too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I mean, honestly, like it might sound, I don't know, cliche might not be the right word, but I always sort of think of the deals like Second, you know, uh, yeah. I, I want the products to be uh, products that we believe in, that we love, uh, and also that we think our customers are going to appreciate. And then we sort of just hope that there's also a deal to go along with it. <laughs> well, it it's like one of the old timers told me, said, it, it ain't no deal, son, if I got if I ain't going to sell it again. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So like deals are nice. And especially with companies that you do a lot of business with, um, it certainly helps. But at the same time, like it's not make or break kind of stuff for us. I, I, we would never make a decision uh, based on the deal alone. It has to be the product itself. Well, that sounds like uh, sounds like sound business to me. Uh, any dinners planned or uh, fun things? Because I mean, that was always my favorite part was you'd go out to eat with a bunch of people that you really liked most of the time. Oh, sure. Uh, every, every once in a while, you get I'd get stuck with a turd customer for a dinner, and, you know, that was, <laughs> I'd look at the waiter and go, just bring me the bill after the entrees are here. So is that your way of telling me that you don't enjoy our dinners? Um, I love your dinners. <laughs> I'm always the customer, so. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's some dinners. Uh, the, Ashton, uh, the Ashton dinner is always something we look forward to. It's fantastic. Um, the Ashton Cigar Dinner, uh, and they are also the distributors for Peterson Pipes in the U.S. Um, there's the CAO event, which is always fun. There's a couple of smaller parties that I hope to uh, be able to crash. Um, and then I always make time for a couple of customers or uh, a couple of other vendors of ours that we get together and have a drink and uh, hopefully some good food. Yeah, so you'll have three days of complete exhaustion, and then you'll come home and start all over again. Exactly. And I won't feel bad because I'll be rested. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's. I mean, uh, luckily, luckily for me, IPCPR is is less work and and more fun uh, uh, when compared to something like Chicago, which is equal amounts of crazy work and crazy fun. <laughs> yeah. So we'll take a break here, and then uh, and then we'll talk about the size of your pipe uh, before the show, and we'll talk about the size of your pipe after the show too. So <laughs> <laughs> stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. 
With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, catching Shane while he's tossing clothes. <laughs> Toss the dirties out of the suitcase, put the clean ones in, and off you go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's a spot in your closet for the suitcase, but does it ever really get in that spot? There's there's a couple of times throughout the year where there's not one or two suitcases sitting in the den uh, downstairs, kind of just in the way. You know, like <laughs> if if I if I have only a week between uh, between trips, I'm not going to lug the suitcases all the way upstairs into the attic, and you know what I mean. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No. All right, so here's the here's the discussion, and here's how I want to kind of start this. Uh, you have particular dimensions of pipes. You know, the, the pipe has to be within a specific dimension for you. Yes. Um, I started out with very similar size, shape. Everything was almost like a group four Levat, you know, five inches to six inches. My, the biggest variance was that one inch of length. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some specific requirements that a pipe has to have before I'll buy it, but I'm wondering if you want to talk us through your specific dimensions, and then we can get into the uh, into the esoteric part of which size works best for what blend, and how do you handle this, and do you pack this one differently and that one differently because of the different sizes. So... My my number one requirement, and it doesn't have anything to do with uh, smoking technique or anything, um, I have limited myself, uh, and this was after years and years of buying all kinds of different stuff and figuring out what, you know, basically you look at the pipes, you buy a lot of pipes, you look at the ones that stayed in your collection, right? Uh, and then you find out what the common variables are there. And uh, the biggest one for me that doesn't affect smoking technique or ability or any quality at all uh, is the weight. So uh, I have realized that uh, because of the way I smoke and because I like to smoke when I drive, I like to smoke when I work, um, I like to have a pipe that is pretty lightweight. Uh, so I tend not to buy anything that's heavier than 45 grams for that reason. Uh, it's sort of an arbitrary number. And the other benefit of that is that I don't just buy a ton of pipes, you know, like <laughs> you got to stop yourself for, for one reason or another. Uh, and Adam Davidson likes to remind me that I break my 45 gram rule every once in a while, because if I see something amazing and I'm in love with it, it's not like I can feel the difference between 45 and 47 grams in my jaw. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I will break that rule, but I don't think I own any pipes, uh, that are heavier than 48 grams these days. And most of them are well under that. I was so as far as as far as like my main requirement, that's it. Uh, in chamber dimensions, which I think is what you're trying to get at, um, I have sort of a, a, a narrow range in two different in two different senses. Uh, stuff like a taller chamber, um, I can I can get away with the taller chamber, but I find that the diameter goes down a little bit. Uh, as the height increases. Uh, and then I feel the same way about a squat chamber. Like I can stand something that has a little bit wider of a diameter, but less, less height. 
so for the former, um, basically I'm looking at like 0.75 or three quarters of an inch by uh, uh, 1.5 or uh, an inch and a half. Um, and if I want it to be more than an inch and a half uh, in, in height or depth, then I need that to come down uh, in diameter like to 0.7. You know what I mean? Um and it's the same thing for a squat bowl. I prefer uh, a squat bowl that is somewhere between 0.75 and uh, 0.8. Uh, and then in that case, I don't really want it to be more deep than uh, like 1.35, you know, an inch and a quarter to a little bit more than an inch and a quarter. Now, is that so that they kind of equalize in, you know, kind of a, a standardized smoking, a standardized time that it takes you to smoke that pipe? Or is it because you're neurotic and you've got some psychoses? <laughs> well, probably a little bit of the psychoses and the, and the, and the neurotic. But uh, really, I find that actually, it's funny that you mentioned that without really planning it out, I smoke a pipe that's 0.8 by 1.25 about the same amount of time that I smoke a pipe that is uh, uh, 0.75 by 1.5. Um, so it just kind of worked out that way, but really it has to do with the type of tobaccos that I smoke and their performance in those bowls. Um, so I smoke probably 95% of what I smoke is either flake or ready rubbed. Yep. And um, I also am not a huge fan of the fold and stuff method. I've said that before. I've talked to a lot of guys about that. Uh, I know Perry Jensen would would uh, scoff, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just I just prefer to to rub out my my flakes. Um, and basically, depending on whether I'm going to smoke inside or outside, uh, is 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 the degree to which I rub them out. So if I'm smoking inside, I rub them out pretty fine, almost to a ribbon, if not fully to a ribbon, um, because I'm not worried about things like the wind affecting the 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 pace of my smoke. And if I'm going to smoke outside, I kind of just, you know, your standard ready rub and just load it as is. Uh, and then it smokes nice and slowly, you know, even if you've got the elements uh, messing with you. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I too am not a fan of the uh, of the folding stuff. I prefer to rub it out all the way. Sure. Um, you know, maybe a little clumpy. But then uh, what I find out is if I don't rub it out all the way, I also don't load the bowl as full. And there seems to be more air pockets in there, which uh, means the less even burn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I yeah. but I think you're right about the size of you know the size of the pipes. You're what you're what you're doing is you're just making the you know you're you're talking about a volume of space inside the bowl and it varies. Yeah, you know, you're you're varying it with height and width. Exactly. And just to give an example about the height and width thing, so I could take the same, and I've done this a lot, and I don't think that I'm done experimenting by any means. Um, at least I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell myself that because then what do I need, what do I need another pipe for, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, so the experimentation so far has led me to a point where I noticed that, um, uh, you know, rubbing out flake or even smoking a ready rubbed, fairly coarse, fairly chunky, uh, if you pack a pretty deep bowl that's also quite wide, um, you're going to end up having stuff that tends to burn down the middle or burn down to one side, namely the back of the bowl uh, has usually been a problem for me, and I've noticed that with a lot of other smokers. Um, so if you want a nice, even surface uh, uh, that's going to burn, you know, evenly the whole way down the bowl, like there's just a point at which too deep and too wide doesn't work or uh, <laughs> yeah. too narrow and too shallow doesn't work either, you know? Um, 
And and again, I don't really have a sense of why that is. Uh, I'm not that smart. Uh, I just have smoked a lot of tobacco and realized that the bowls that I were having that were most enjoyable and that were relatively fuss free uh, were in a pipe were in a pipe with a certain certain dimensions. And that's just kind of what I stuck to. Do you have any issues with uh, with length of pipe? I mean, besides your besides your neurotic forty five grams, um, I would imagine you can get a pretty long pipe with a bamboo shank. Yeah, and I do have some pipes that are that are much longer that have bamboo shanks. Um, my only hang up there is that I find that those are pipes that I tend to leave at home. I don't really travel with pipes that are terribly long. Like logistically, it just doesn't work out that well. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, they're not handy. You know, they they can't you can't have them in a pocket or in the you know uh, cup rest of your car or rolling around in your bag. But even aside from that, I don't want to take two different lengths of pipe cleaners with me when I'm traveling. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's sort of that, that, you know, there's there's that to consider as well. Like if a pipe is so long that you need a special type of pipe cleaner for it, then that might still be worth it to you. Uh, but it, again, that's probably not a pipe that you're going to be carrying around with you all the time. Yeah. Well, and I also have the, you know, all the. I, I have this problem with the pipes that have a real wide shank flare or some. Yeah, you know, some of the some of the real big the, the big asymmetrical shapes that don't fit comfortably in a very simple pipe bag because exactly I, I just won't smoke them that much because you know they get put in the back of the rack because they don't get grabbed that much to go into the pipe bag. Sure, and I have a couple of pipes that are some of my favorites and some of my most beautiful and. Part of the reason that I never grab them to take them out of the house is because I'm coddling them a little bit, right? Even though I don't believe in that. Um, sometimes you just end up doing that to your nicest pipes, right? You treat them a little better. Uh, and that means not, you know, just putting them in your pocket or letting them roll around in the car or whatever. But the other piece of it is the practical piece, right? Like it's not comfortable. And uh, I always I always say this to people when I'm talking about pipes that are that are extremely comfortable and that are not. But if I can't imagine myself casually pulling it out of a jacket pocket, like at a bar somewhere, then it's probably not going to be one of my favorite pipes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I realize that there's a lot of really beautiful pipes out there that are sculptural and amazing, uh, and I have a few in my collection for sure. But again, like that's too big of a statement for me to make when I'm walking around downtown somewhere having dinner with my wife and sneaking out for a smoke. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's why I end up with a bunch of billiards, you know, that are in my bag all the time. So, so you do the same thing when you're going out and you're and you're around a crowd of non-smokers. You're not you're not pulling out the really the real high design pipes. You're pulling out the regular pipe that looks like everybody's grandfather's. Exactly, exactly. And it might be a former, it might be a J. Allen, it might be a really nice ROP for that matter, but the people around me just see a regular pipe, as my as my wife would put it. So I have uh I yeah, I have one dimension of a pipe in particular that I refuse to deviate from. And that is and that's where I will I need, because of the way I smoke, and because of the amount that I smoke the pipe has to have a quarter inch of wood all the way around the bowl. So, okay. Yeah, you know, when I'm, when, when I'm at a pipe show or something like that, I'm not sitting there with a micrometer going, nah, rah, rah, rah. no, that's no, you a, eyeball it. Yeah. I, I eyeball it and I look for, and I look for spots that are, you know, if the bowl walls are too thin, I'm going to abuse that pipe and the, and the pipe's probably not going to last too long with me. Or I'm going to have to do what I've done in the past, which is be really careful and build up a cake on it and nurse that cake for a year of going through its normal rotation 
to build that cake up. And that's just not a pleasurable experience to me. Sure, Um, sure. So, you know, when I look at a pipe online and I see the measurements and it says the bowl width is, uh, and the tobacco chamber is uh, three quarters and the bowl width is 1.15 or one and a quarter inches, I know I'm good because I know that the bowl is dead, you know, the tobacco chamber is dead center of the bowl. So it's got a quarter inch all the way around. Yes. Um, I don't mind more but I don't need more because if you have too much, then you got some weight issues out there. Sure. Um, but I won't, I, I haven't deviated from that rule for probably six, seven years now. And I'm a much happier person for it because I just can't do those. I can't do a really thin walled pipe. And, and most of the time the thinner walls are on smaller bowls anyway. Sure. Um, sure. I do have I I have a lot of pipes with relatively thin walls and I never have any issue but I think that it's after years this is another thing too is after years and years of smoke if you're smoking group six ODA you know Seriacopo Maximas like if you want to turn around and try a small pipe next week just to see what it's like you need to be very careful like because you're probably not aware of how hot you may or may not be smoking because there's so much material uh, that's still around the chamber but coming from the other direction, um, I, I feel like smoking smaller pipes for so many years, like I'm keenly aware of how warm my pipe is at all times. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your pipe sometimes could probably weld, you know, weld sheet metal. Uh, <laughs> well, I certainly hope not, but, but yeah, I, I also remember too, a long time ago, um, uh, a, a really, really respected and good friend uh, in the pipe community um, told me, th- like, he asked me and, like, three other people, like, hey, let me see your pipe. And we were smoking them. We were like, okay. And he, like, took one of them and held it and looked at it a little bit and held it in his hand and gave it back to the guy, took another one from the next guy and kept going and kept going. And then finally he said, all of you are smoking too hot. And I was like, <laughs> what? And this is after years of me thinking that I had pretty good technique, you know. Um, and he said that, his way of thinking about it, and I've since adopted this sort of idea, if you feel any warmth at all, then you have room to pull back, you know? So if you can keep your pipe lit without feeling any warmth from the bowl at all, and I'm talking about a regular size pipe, not a gigantic piece, um, then then your smoking technique is really, really good. And honestly, he's right. Uh, I don't think that this is in my head, but ever since I learned how to smoke really, really slowly, um, the flavors are just so much better. Yeah, whatever. I don't believe it. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but I no, but I do understand it, and uh, uh, and, and I will. Uh, I'll, I'll say that I, you know, I have some large pipes that I can smoke for three hours without having to get up out of the chair. But I do have to remember to halfway through dump ash out of it. Otherwise, you can't get the tobacco lid at the bottom because you've exactly. got a whole big pile of ash on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another, you know, purchase requirement, which you are keenly aware of, is that I only buy estate pipes, except I break that rule usually. <laughs> Maybe once a year. Yeah. Uh, but that but that helps, you know, first of all, that, that, that means that my pipe collection is bigger than it would have been, because, yes. you know, I've bought more pipes than I would have. Um, but it also restricts the urges that I have to buy every pipe that I see that's brand new that I love until I absolutely find one that I'm in love with and then I buy it brand new and break my rule. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, like, you know, uh, th- that's that's kind of where my weight rule comes in. Like, I could have picked 50 grams, I could have picked 40 grams, but I, I picked a, a range that was just as much about, you know, being practical as it was about just limiting my my choices. Um, and that's the thing, too, is, you know, I, I love pipes. I know you do, too. And, uh, you know, you, you should be striving for as close to pipe monogamy as you can get, you know. Otherwise, you've got a lot of stuff uh, in your collection, and some of it's not getting used and not getting enjoyed. Well, I'll argue the opposite of that because I smoke primarily one type of one tobacco and then the variations that I have off of that are very similar. So I get a variation because of the different sizes and lengths and shapes of pipes that I have because they all act slightly differently. Yeah, very true. Very true. So so I'm varying my one blend love by putting it in multiple pipes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know which is kind of what saved what so far it's what saved this elizabethan is because i was you know when i'm taste testing a pipe a pipe tobacco and i don't like it in the first pipe i try a different shape or a different size and see how it works in 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 a different size and it's funny that you mentioned that i was gonna i was gonna bring this up earlier but elizabethan was a curious experience for me at first too um and and it's because i thought i knew exactly what kind of you know tobacco chambers that i liked uh except that i realized that that's because i was only smoking several of the same sort of tobaccos um i you know when i first got on to virginia periques uh which kind of pulled me away from english blends uh, which is all i smoked for the first several years that i was a pipe smoker um it was a Scudo and it was luxury bullseye flake that really kind of turned me. Um, so then naturally I just went on to Orlick golden sliced and a bunch of other flakes, all the Solani flakes, the Freeburg and Trayer flakes. Um, so then I just went nuts forever on the flake stuff. And then at that same time I had upgraded my pipes, uh, and got some more handmaids and was a little more careful about size and, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and I was leaning towards all these pipes that were more or less flake pipes, you know, um, or what people consider flake pipes, you know, a little bit smaller. Uh, so then Elizabethan came back to the U.S. market because there was a period where it wasn't available. Yeah. Um, and I finally got to try it. And it was something that I had heard a lot of people talk about. You know, a lot of the pipe makers that had been around a while talked about how good Elizabethan used to be. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the guys who were into who were into Elizabethan in a serious way, they were like cult following into it, you know. <laughs> um, so when it came back, I got to try it. And I was packing it in a couple of the pipes that were performing extremely well for me uh, with flakes and ready rubs. And I I just wasn't getting it. I was like, what is so special about this? Like, I didn't get a ton of flavor. Like, it wasn't burning particularly well for me. Uh, and then I had the revelation one day that, like, okay, let's just pretend I know how much Perique is in this blend. I don't, but let's pretend I do. Let's say that it's 10%. And if you're packing a ribbon cut like that into a tiny bowl, like, there are points in the bowl where you're probably not even burning any Perique. Yep. You know what I mean? So if you have a, such a small chamber that you can only fit three ribbons into it, that's not the right pipe to smoke that tobacco out of. Um, just like you can't take a gigantic pipe and fill it with 50 grams of flake. You know what I mean? So I, I finally tried the Elizabethan in, in like closer to a group four chamber, and it was fantastic. Uh, it was really, really good. Uh, after the first you know, 10, 15 minutes of, of getting it going and settling it down. Um, it, it just started to sing for me and, uh, it's become one of my favorite tobaccos, but I don't try to smoke it in the same pipes that I'm smoking all my flake out of. And the strange thing opposite is one of my favorite Escudo pipes is literally like a group three bowl and it fits two discs and the, and that's it. And it's one. Exactly. 
So it, you know, if if there's a scientific reason why, um, I don't think there is. I I I think it comes up to there's no rhyme or reason. It's just you got to try it and figure it out and see where it goes and hope for the best or uh, move along after trying. Oh, exactly, exactly. And it's it's still highly personal, just like everything else about this hobby. Well, Shane, uh, you know, I know you're heading off to Vegas, so do me a favor while you're there. Wear a sign around your neck that says Brian says hi. <laughs> okay. And and just walk around. Don't wear my don't wear your name tag with my name because you won't get into a lot of places. Um, but uh, take notes for us because uh, next month when you're on, we'll want to hear all about the trade show, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll figure out something else to talk about, like maybe uh, stem sizes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so take lots of notes. Wear my Brian Levine T-shirt, and uh, remember remember to share the uh, the experience of the show with everybody next time. Got it. There you go. Uh, have a good time. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And remember, if you want to reach out to Shane, his email address is shane.ireland at smokingpipes.com. Send him a message. I don't know. Text him. Talk to him. Uh, keep him busy. That's all I can say. Keep him busy. All right. For music, a couple weeks ago, we pulled a new track off of Ray LaMontagne's Part of the Light album, and it was a little different. And... Uh, so this time I'm going in the opposite direction. Uh, from the same album, Part of the Light by Ray LaMontagne, this one is called As Black as Blood is Blue.
How's that for a little different? Kind of takes me back to the early 70s. Kind of that progressive sound. And anyway, it's uh, Pipe Smoker Ray LaMontagne and his brand new album. Check it out on Spotify. I'm sure you can buy it on iTunes and all those other places. Well, let's see what's in the mail. In the mailbag. All right, let's see what we've got. Remember, if you've got any comments or questions, you can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. You can also post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Or if you want, you can go over to Facebook and go to the Pipes Magazine radio show page there and give us a like and comment there as well. Starting off with uh, Casey Ghost, Uh, Dan writes, Dorisco is a blend that I just can't get into. I found it bland and off-putting. The interview was pleasant enough. Steve seemed like a nice person who really didn't know much about pipes except that he liked them, and that's good enough for me. I can't understand how positively he views the world. Uh, It looks to me like it's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Or maybe we're the handbasket. Uh, and then Down Home Smoker said, Steve sounds like a real nice guy, and it's a shame smoking has such a stigma in religious circles. I didn't get around to answering your request a few weeks ago of where our favorite place to smoke is. My favorite place to smoke is my home office smoking room. It took years of convincing, but I convinced my wife a few years ago, and it's so nice year-round. Yeah, I got lucky, too, and uh, have the same uh, beneficial indoor smoking room so i don't have to worry about it during the uh during the really rough times of weather like we're having now uh and i lost my place there we go and uh, neil k said brian i'm glad you got to interview steve he is a nice non-condemning freedom-loving guy i've known about him for many years but never knew much about his pipe smoking turns out there's not a lot to know he's like a lot of old timers and he puts that in quotes Uh, They like to smoke pipes and know what they like, but don't get into them like many of us do. I've heard that C.S. Lewis used to crush up cigarettes and cram them into his pipe. I guess these theologians have many other things to consider than what to smoke. Uh, I did enjoy the interview. It's amazing how inclusive and and diverse the pipe community is. It was neat to hear that Steve got R.C. Sproul into pipes. The music selection was a great tribute to Independence Day. Yeah, and that's from our friend Dan Locklear. Um, and then uh, also uh, Milton Bradley said, what were those YouTube channels that you uh, that, that were mentioned on the podcast a week or two ago? I'd like to watch them. Uh, if you go back and listen to the last show with Tom Provost on it, and, and he, he listed a few on there. And then Randy Robinson writes, this was one of my all-time favorite shows. I sat and listened to it three times back-to-back just because I felt that Dr. Brown was so damn funny. And and speaking of that, I didn't realize that I was talking to Doc Brown. Um, Didn't put two and two together, or 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, Anyway, Randy goes on to write, I love this episode so much I asked my wife to listen to it just to hear him speak about the joys of smoking a pipe. Keep up the great work. I also love the music. Thanks again, Randy in Reno, Nevada. Randy, you are very welcome. And finally, uh, Fletch writes, Brian, it was a pleasant surprise to listen to your interview with Steve Brown. My wife is one of those younger key life authors Steve mentioned. I'm also one of those people who sent Steve a hand-carved pipe and a pouch of my own blended tobacco. All that to say, I was shocked to listen and hear Steve's very distinct voice. 
Thanks for interviewing someone out of the industry with some great personal anecdotes. Keep puffing Fletch. Uh, you're welcome. And if you, listen, if you guys have any suggestions of people that you'd like for us to reach out to, I don't care if they're in the industry. Uh, you know, and, and it was like talking to Steve. He knew that he had pipes that he liked and tobacco that he liked, but he didn't know the entire history of the brand and all that. And I don't care. As long as you're a pipe smoker and you enjoy smoking your pipe, you're fine with me. But if you've got any suggestions or comment, uh, suggestions of potential guests, uh, I'm all ears. Love to hear them. Uh, also, if you have any ideas for pipe parts, some stuff that you'd like to hear in pipe parts, and I'm almost caught up on uh, blend reviews. So if you have any tobaccos that you would like potentially reviewed, uh, just let me know. Uh, be happy to do it and, uh, you know, get the, get the list of stuff ready and stockpiled. So, all right. Uh, a, uh, fruit flavored rant is next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Like fruit. I don't like vegetables, okay? I don't like vegetables. There's not a vegetable out there that makes me get excited over, ooh, it's fresh and it's on sale. But I like fruit. Every day I have a banana, and then this time of the year I really love fruit because pears, plums, peaches, cherries, they're all in season and they're all on sale for about two weeks. And then they're not on sale. And here's the stupid part about fruit, all right? The cherries are on sale and they're really good now. When they're not on sale and they're three times the price, they pretty much suck, all right? So somebody needs to somewhere out there figure out how to get good fruit all year long at a decent price all year long because I don't, I love fruit. I'll sit down with a bag of cherries and go through it to the point where I'm sick and, you know, pooping out cherry pits. Uh, but I, you know, when it's three times the price or and they don't taste as good, I can't eat them and I like eating fruit all year long so pears get picked up occasionally peaches uh, you know but again the peaches now are on sale because it's that time of the season during the off season they suck uh, bananas somebody's figured it out and this is why I know that they could figure it out with all the peaches and cherries and all that stuff because bananas are good all year long bananas are all good good all year long and they're pretty much the same price all year long so all that tropical fruit is all the same price and it's all good all year long why can't we find that figure that out with cherries and figure that out with peaches and plums then i could eat fruit all year long have my four or five servings of fruit a day and i wouldn't have to touch a vegetable ever unless i was forced or told to uh, by my wife that likes to make vegetables with dinner and forces them on me. But uh, somebody please fix the uh, cherries and peaches and plums and pears. Uh, and let's get them all year long. Uh, 
All right, again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. If you're on iTunes, please make sure and register, download, listen to the show all the way through, and then leave us a wonderful five-star rating and a review on that. We would much appreciate it. Share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, I don't know, wherever you are. Just share it around and let all your friends know that you're listening to this wonderful show and that you enjoy it. Uh, thank you to Shane for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Usually it takes people a better part of an hour to hate me and everything I stand for. <laughs>